Hello, Tippy. How are you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? I'm good. All good. Very well, very well, <laughs> mate. Yeah, yeah. How's tricks? All good, all good. It's um, it's canny. We were um, we were just chatting earlier on with the rest of the team about different art and different customs and things like that because obviously they those guys knew that you were coming on the show tonight. They're yeah. Big fans of the uh, the oldest figure that came out uh, through cello, which we'll get onto in a bit. And it mm-hmm. kind of made sense that to um, to start with yourself and get yourself on for this mini special kind of mini series that we're doing at the moment. We've got a few other guys coming on in the near future, and I want cool. to get you on because like we chat quite a lot on Twitter. We have a bit of banter. We've obviously run competitions and stuff on the past, um, and I thought it made sense to get you on and. To start off with, why don't we just get straight into, if you don't mind, mate, um, how you got into wrestling? Why wrestling? When did you start getting into it? What was your first initial memories of wrestling in general? And were you kind of a loner with your wrestling fandom, or did you have a group of mates that you were friends that you were friends uh-huh. with, got into wrestling with? What's the backstory with wrestling and, and Tippy? Um, well, first of all, thanks for inviting me on. That was a nice wee surprise. Um, Getting into wrestling, it must have been, I don't know exactly, but it must have been around 1988, 1989. Um, I would have been about eight or nine. And I got into it through, I had two older cousins. They were only like a couple of years older and they were big into it. And more importantly, they had Sky TV, which meant that they got to see, you know, the weekly episodes. And we didn't have Sky in our house, so they were able to record um, the WWF episodes and also as well as that they were quite you know they were quite well off compared to me anyway so they got all the merchandise all the figures uh, the replicate belts uh, just stuff like that so that's how I kind of get into it and then you know just three ones in school your wee bits you know I was always sort of big into Hulk Hogan probably because he was just rammed down everyone's throat in the 80s and 90s. You know, everything was Hulk Hogan mad. Hulk Media was running wild. It was, but, wasn't it? <laughs> it yeah, was it was. And you thought it was great back then. But now when you look back as an adult, you think, Jesus, they played us, you know, like a cheap guitar. It was just <laughs> rammed down your throat. But it was good. You know, a lot of good memories. And then... Growing up, the wee boy, he lived across the street from me. He, he was the same age, and he was a big mark on the warrior. So, you know, coming up to WrestleMania 6 in 1990, there was a big rivalry you know, between us two. You know, in the months leading up to it, he was all like, ah, oh, warrior's going to win. And I was like, no, nothing can defeat Hulkamania. And then, of course, warrior won. I was, that was the biggest heartbreak of my life. <laughs> You know, so that's that's kind of how it all started for me. So what were your first figures then and bits of merchandise that you got? Because as you said there, Hulkamania was obviously running wild. Another time frame that you run about, we we all do that golden era. And uh, as you said there, Warrior Beat Hogan. But what were your first initial memories of merchandise and figures and, and stuff that you were trading in the playground? Um, I think the first figure that I remember getting, I was out in some big retail shop with my aunt and my cousins and my brother and whatnot and she had bought me and my brother a Hasbro each so she had got him he picked Jake the Snake and I picked Honky Tonk probably just because you know you get a guitar and he gets a snake and 
So that was that's the first memory. I might have had stuff before that. I think I definitely had bootlegs before that. You know, ones right. my mum picked up at the market. You know, those ones that, you know, they all kind of look generic, like He Man kind of style figures. Oh, the, the knockoff sort of uh, Masters, yeah. Masters of the Universe Sun Gold style figures. Yeah, exactly. I had a few of those, but yeah. it's, it's a very vague memory. But I think the first one I can have a good memory of is the Honky Tonk Man. Uh-huh. You know, and I wasn't even, I didn't even really like Punk Man. I just thought the figure was cool. You know, when you get a free, <laughs> free guitar with it and all, I was like, yeah, I'm having a bit of that. That was um, the beauty of that series, though, because you did get a few guys who came with either a belt or, as you say, with a snake or with a guitar yeah. accessories. It was just that extra wee touch, do you know what I mean? So it's it's nice when a figure comes out and it has something like that, you know, especially like I'm really big end of the sort of retro stuff, golden era stuff and mm-hmm. you know, something comes out and has a wee accessory, it just makes it all the better. So with the figures and things that you collected at the time, were there magazines and, and, and whatnot readily available around your area as well? Because I know that action figures were pretty big to an extent, but mainly in like your big shops like your Woolworths and your Argos and things like that. But yeah. magazines uh, weren't quite they, they were there from what I remember, but they weren't in your face. Yeah, 1992 was the big boom over here, obviously, with um, SummerSlam and everything. So we tended to get a lot more merchandise over here around 92 onwards. You could still get the odd things before then, like the sticker books and stuff. Yeah. But they weren't everywhere. They were kind of in a few shops and not every single other shop. What was exactly. it like with you? Yeah, it was kind of pretty much the same. You know, the the Merlin sticker books, um, I can't remember the year. It was the blue one. Was that 91? Mm-hmm. Blue one? There was a few of me and my wee mates. We would have, you know, all collected the stickers and done swaps. And I managed to actually fill that one. Whereas I think with the other ones, you know, they were like three quarters filled or whatnot. But, <laughs> it's always yeah, always a, I don't know where they are now. I think my mum must have fired them out. Cut it. <laughs> but the magazines, they, they, you didn't see them very often. There was a big... Well, not big. There was like a shopping mall about ten or fifteen miles away from us, and I always remember they had them. But I don't think, looking back, they were only a couple of pounds. But it must have been expensive at the time because my mum would rarely, you know, buy them for us. Oh, they're too dear. You're not getting them. But you know, once in the blue moon, she would. You get to have a flick through and have a wee read. But as I say, it was rare, a rare occasion. It's the crack, like, I mean, with, with the Merlin sticker books, I kind of, thinking back now, I remember getting the, you know, the pink diesel one. I think it was 95. Yes. The, the one with diesel on the front. And I got that, but I, that was the first year that I'd kind of, I wasn't as bothered. Even though I still loved yeah, wrestling yeah. at the time, I just wasn't as asked about collecting the stickers and things. I just wasn't quite as fussed about picking them up. Well, but I did, I did get the sticker book. Um, and then I think within a couple of years of that, it all became about Premier League stickers anyway for me. Yeah, well, that's it. Everybody goes through a change, you know. And, well, some people don't. Some people are just diehard fans their whole life. Me, personally, I was kind of big into it from about eight or nine up until about probably about 14. Yeah. You know, and then sim- similar to yourself, I kind of started getting into football only because the circle of friends that was running in were kind of in it. But then... Uh, later on, it kind of came back to it again, you know. Yeah, so it's just, it's just, it just depends on your on your environment and 
probably a, a big part of it is your circle of friends because if you're running circles and nobody likes wrestling, you know, you'll probably find yourself falling away from it. It's that it is true, and it's and it's, and everybody's got the same kind of story, haven't they? I mean, for me, it was probably started drifting out in '95, and then there was a couple of years where I pretended I didn't like it, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I did. Just to be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then it was probably sort of '97, '98, probably more '98, '99 when I started getting really back into it again with yeah. the attitude era and whatnot, as everybody else does. And um, it became more accessible to watch as well because of Sky and the internet was more easily accessible back then as well. So the, the, the website and everything was, was easy to log on to. And it was just, it was an interesting time that sort of that bit between where football yeah. became, <laughs> football stickers became the obsession. Mainly because you mentioned Merlin there, I can't help myself but talk about it. But I know that um, me and my mate Patty, we, uh, we we went halves in a full box of Premier League 97 stickers. Um, mm. we, we saved up loads of lunch money and went halves on that. And um, oh, it's just good memories, good memories of Merlin. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a good chat good with memories. the Merlin guys as well, not long ago on in an interview, actually. It was really good. Oh, okay. We live in those. But yeah, so. That's pretty cool. In regards to the Hasbro side of things, then, man. Yes. How long ago was it when you decided to start customizing? And was it customizing Hasbro's? Was that the kind of your, your first um, sort of stage of dipping your toe in? Or were you customizing other figures before that? Whenabouts was it? And um, what figures were you customizing? It, was, it wasn't actually that long ago. It was about, I think it was mid-2018. So it was, so just oh, really? three years. Yeah, yeah, it's quite recent. Um, but it's, it's something that, you know, it was always in the back of my head for years. I was like, oh, it's, I'd seen the odd one pop up, um, like the odd custom, and thought, oh, I wouldn't mind getting that a week ago. But yeah. I just, did, for whatever, I just didn't bother. And then it was in my, in my job, a fella, one of the clients come in, and he mentioned that this fella who lived, I think he lived in Bangor, it's quite near Belfast, mm-hmm. he was a really big customizer and he was you know big into it and you should see his collection so i went on to facebook and found him i'm seeing all his customs he, he had hundreds of them a, a fella his name was grant davison i don't know whether you know him right okay um but he had like shit loads of customs really good ones too and that's what kind of spurred me i was like i'm gonna give this a wee go you know but he had he'd done a mail away that's what it was and i i was asking him was it re- i didn't know if it was real or you know, a custom, and it turns out it was a custom, but it was that good, you know, that's what kind of gave me the kind of spur on to, to give it a crack, so. Testament to the customizer skills there, isn't it, when you don't, when you can't tell whether or not it's a real deal or not? Yeah, well, I think what, it, I think what actually happened was, when I was talking to him, he had said about a Facebook group called Hasbro's, just called, just Hasbro's, and before I came across that, I didn't actually realise there was this big kind of subculture, you know, for Hasbro's and wrestling figures in general. I thought I was the only one who had <laughs> like a full, you know, Hasbro, because I collected up all the Lucy's over the years. Yeah, um, yeah. And I thought it was just me. And I have them all displayed up in work. And a lot of people come in and think they're cool and go, oh, yeah, I remember those. But then just as many people come in and think they're weird. And they're like, why, you're nearly 40, why have you got like wrestling figures up on your wall? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, it's, I just like them, leave me alone. 
Yeah. But I thought I thought it was just me. So when I came across this Facebook group, um, I realised that there's like thousands of other guys and girls around the world that are you know fanatical about them. And then obviously from that, there's got there's loads of Facebook groups, you know, Instagram pages, and it's just this whole big, you know, subculture of Hasbro kind of fandom. That's incredible that you that it's so um, recent for you. Like yeah. that must be re- it must be really fun to to for it to still be quite fresh. Like for myself yeah. and a lot of the other collectors that I know um, and customizers or, or whomever, life kind of started on the forums on like WrestleFigs and before that action figure resource AFR, and then uh-huh. went into the Wrestle WrestleFigs forums and then you know that was kind of the start of social interaction i suppose when it came to things like action figures because it was it, it unearthed i mean for me personally i think it was like 2001 when i joined that forum so it gives you kind of an idea of you know we're heading on for 20 years this year 20 years ago, um, that's when i joined a wrestling figure forum to talk yeah. about trades and things so somebody who's of our age who's kind of like started dipping the toe in within the last couple of years is incredible because it's it's still Really fresh, and whilst obviously your knowledge is, is is a very solid knowledge, and you've got a good knowledge about you from our discussions and stuff, it's interesting to see how new you are to the the social interaction aspect of it all. And yeah, it's it's you put it like that. It is. I don't really. It feels like I've been in it. It's probably because of like liked and had Hasbro's all my life. It feels like yeah. you've been in it all your life. But no, you're right. The whole kind of the social interactions on the different, you know. Facebook pages and Instagram and Twitter and customs in general. It literally has been less than three years, you know, so it's, it has been quite recent. But and you mentioned as fun. You, I'm sure, absolutely, mate. It's, it's, it's incredible fun. And, you know, I'll give a shout at this point at the HWO as well. Hasbro World Order, um, yes. our, our group of friends on Twitter. There's, um, if it wasn't for that, really, we wouldn't be chatting now because, you know, that kind of brought a lot of us together of a common interest. And, you know, I think we're yeah. at least between 20 and 30 members strong at the moment of um, of people who collect and share info and uh, share knowledge about who's trading what. And as per usual, a shout out to our listeners out there who are looking to get into to trading or are looking to get into just collections in general or want to share the figures that you've got. Get yourself on Twitter under the HWO Hasbro World Order because we're always looking for people to interact with and join. It's a, it's a, it's a lovely group of people. There's some you know spot on guys in there. But what I, what I wanted to say was as well. You mentioned as well there, Tippy, that you display your figures um, in your workspace, and that in itself leads to your your artist, your artistry, your passion for art. Um, do you want to tell a, a few people about what your line of work is? Yeah, sure. Um, I've just been I've been tattooing since uh, around two thousand and eight, um, and then I set up my own place two thousand and eleven. Just a wee place in Bangor, about ten miles outside of Belfast, called Eye Candy Tattoo, um, and that's I've always had quite a you know a passion for art and art and design through school right up. So tattooing seemed like a natural career, you know able to basically provide for your family and just go in and do on people. It's quite cool. And then the customs have become a big part of my life as well. Um, didn't kind of get into that 
to kind of make money or anything, but it's just it's just sort of happened. You know, you're not making like a wage, but there's decent money in it. You know, for people, I wouldn't even be one of the full time guys if if somebody doesn't have a job and sets out to do this full time. You 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 can make a living from it. You know. Tell me but about just, it. I I kind of missed out. Well, I, I say missed out. It's I, I kind of I dipped my toe in early with with selling customs. So I started making customs, and my first custom was '97, and that was of a, it was of, a transformed a Ric Flair into a Goldust. Yes. And I thought that's all right. It's not so bad. It was. It's better than I thought. It was just a full repaint. Nothing special, but yeah. uh, it was just a full repaint, and it was all right. It didn't. It wasn't so bad. It was like Goldust's first attire. You know, the gold one with the white, jaggedy kind of, um, bit down the front and a bit down the back. So yes. it was a, it was a pretty much just a repaint of that, and then it was kind of early two thousands, mid two thousands when I started trading and selling them a bit, and I got a few got a few orders off a few different wrestlers because they were collecting or they just thought it was fun. Did a few swaps for a few guys who never had a figure made. Uh, Matt Cardona, funnily enough, he ordered a a, a custom figure off us back in the day, uh, okay. as he was getting it, as he was kind of on the forums and stuff. This was pre Twitter and whatnot. Um, yeah, but there was a few like. Had a, had a really fun sort of chat with Terry Funk and did a trade with him when I met him. And uh, he gave me a T-shirt and his wife gave me some cake. And I, <laughs> and I gave him, cake. Gave him uh, yeah, I know, random. Um, and that was, that pro- probably was back sort of mid-2000s now. Jeez. And like I kind of tapped out earlier than I, I should have. And it was just because of life, you know, like life just got the better. I just didn't find the time anymore. And in all yeah. the recent years, it's been this massive, amazing boom of people like yourself and a few other guys who were, you know, a couple of guys that were going to get on, like Kyle or Frankie even. Um, and yeah. people like that will be getting different people on to chat about their passion for, for, for customs as well and making figures. But I tapped out really early and, you know, it's part of why I'm doing these interviews with the likes of yourselves is because I'm, I'm getting back into it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm about to pick back up. Yeah, yeah. I, I started getting the, the, the figure parts box back out and started uh, getting the paints back out in preparation. Yeah. I haven't sat down and done it, done anything yet, but just getting the bits out and laying them out in a nice place to crack on with it. And yeah, Sometimes it's wait. hard. It can be hard sometimes to get the motivation. You know, if you've had a long day at work or, you know, the kids have been playing up, you think, ah, oh, I can't be arsed with this. But once I actually sit down and start, then, you know, there's no stopping kind of thing. You just get right back into it. So that's what I would say. Just just make a point of starting, even if you don't feel like it. And you'll be surprised how quick you get back into it. But just, as you mentioned, the HW boys, yeah, I'd just like to give them a shout out myself because it's kind of it's something that kind of spurs me on. Everybody in the group is very kind of supportive, you know. Yeah. Whenever you make a custom or do a bit of art or whatever, it's kind of like my own group of friends. My, you know, from back home would take the piss or, you know, what are you playing on? Whereas everyone's like, oh, that's class, you know, that's, they might want to buy it or they might, you know, share it on Twitter. But it just kind of motivates you to do more, you know, it's just like a nice wee kind of boost. Definitely, so, fully agree. Fully agree. Great bunch of lads. And, growing as well with the people who are getting involved and it's nice to see that the community is growing in general it's it's oh, yeah. it's a nice as you said supportive community but it's knowledgeable which is what i like as well it's there's a lot yeah. of people, a lot of knowledge fantastic collections 
people can point you in the right direction if you've got any queries or if there's anything that you're particularly looking for. Mm, yeah, the Grapple Arcade. Hands off the merchandise. Dig it. Ladies and gentlemen, Retro-style wrestling action figures from JellaToys.net Bring the legends, the present, and the future back to the classics. JellaToys.net In regards to your first custom then, mate, what was the first custom that you made? What was the first figure? As I said there before, that... Ric Flair turned into Goldust for me. What was your yeah. first attempt? My first attempt? I have one of those books. I think everybody, well, maybe I'm, it's just me and I'm just weird, but I've got a bathroom book, and it's just something that you read when you're on the toilet, you know. <laughs> and it's one of those WWE encyclopedias. Yep. And it's massive. It's got, like, every single uh, wrestler that's been through the WWE. So I would sit and go through it. And sort of think, oh, yeah, nobody's done this guy yet. Or, you know, I might give this guy a go. So the first one that I had a crack at was Big Booty Busick. Just because, now I know ones have been done, but he hadn't been done very much. I yeah. kind of thought, yeah, he's quite got, he's got a, quite a unique look. He had the bowler hat and the cigar and, you know, yeah, the big that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the parts, it was a hacksaw yeah. body. Um Basically took Hacksaw's head off, put on a Brock Lesnar head, but he All was right. like, it was one of the heads where he's like screaming, so the mouth was kind of open. Yeah. I think it was anyway, but yeah, and then just used the Milliput clay, made uh-huh. a wee cigar, a wee bowler hat, uh, and the moustache, big moustache, and then, as a lot, as most customizers know, you just, once the clay kind of sets, um, give it a prime down, and then once it's dried, Paint it up and seal it, and that was my first one. I was I was really proud of it at the time, but now when I look back, like anything you do, you always kind of hopefully you progress. So because that was my first one, I kind of look back and go, oh, you know, I should have done this different, or the eyes are a bit squinty, or you know. Saying that though, it's, it's a brave one to take on using Millie Put. Uh, obviously, for people who don't know, to to model and clay, you normally get two strands of it, you rub it together, kind of thing. It, bonds into one is that the one that you use like the, the, the double layer stuff yes that's yep. that, that's what i used on him i'm now using a different one called epoxy yep ba- basically the same thing but it's just a wee bit easier to kind of manipulate yeah so it, is. so it was a really interesting custom to take on the first custom that you had a go at with clay that's really uh as i said yeah. pretty brave mate <laughs> fair play to you it's uh, uh it's not easy to get your head around Millie Put or, or Clay in general for the first time of using it. I mean, it's it can be it can be a bit problematic at times, especially if you're moulding things like cigars, man, because that's quite a small yeah. piece uh, to try and make. It can, can be a wee bit hit and miss, but to be honest, I think I had used that. I must have went on to you know the Facebook groups and seen the other guys that were customising at the time. Yeah, yeah. And there would have been the likes of Frankie. He was one of the ones that was... I don't think he had started that long before me, you know, but he was doing it and he was doing some great work and there was that fella, Grant Davis, and yeah. another fella that kind of stood out, Simon Bala, Dynamite yeah, yeah. Customs. Really liked his oh, work. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, got Adrian as well in our, in our yeah, HWO yes, group. Adrian. And we've got 
there's Tommy as well. I don't know if you're familiar with Tommy, the German guy who's knocking yes. some absolutely incredible pieces out of the park. There's, the community is wonderful, put it that way. It's such a great community. And um, some fantastic customizers and the skills that everybody's bringing to the table. And everybody's is a bit unique and a bit different, which is what yeah. I find really interesting. It's everybody's, you can kind of tell, um, not just the way that they pose them and not just the sort of setting that they put the finished piece in, but the style, the art style that they've kind of got. Um, yeah, everyone's got their own way of going about things. Kind yeah, of thing. definitely, definitely, definitely. All really good fun. Well, what we'll do here, mate, is we're going to crack on with some of the um, the listener questions, if that's all right with yourself. Yeah, cool. Wonderful stuff. So question one comes from our friend uh, Tweet Wrestling, Kev on the HWO. We've got a couple of HWO questions, typically. Oh, yes, cool. But uh, Big Kev, ask the question. How would you have changed the WWE retro line if you could go back and change it? What would you have done differently? Would you have made any significant changes to the retro line? Um, just, well, the first thing that springs to mind is detail of the actual figures. Um, there's quite a lot of them. To me, it looked like it could be a wee bit lazy, you know, in detail. And uh, ones that spring to mind would be some more Joe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was just me. I got him, and he, had, he was cross-eyed. Like, not just a little bit, like completely cross-eyed. Hacksaw Jim Duggan style. <laughs> yeah, like really bad. The Macho Man, Green Trunks Macho Man. Just wee things, you know. Just put a wee bit more detail into it, a wee bit more effort. But, like, I still got them all. And on the whole, I do think they're very good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think they're a good set. I think they're quite fun. I do agree with you, though. They, they look interestingly somehow more cartoony than the Hasbro's did for me like for example Macho Man's head for example I think the the orange trunk Savage and even the purple trunk Savage from the Hasbro line looked more like Savage than the Mattel version yeah I thought the face scan was a bit better personally yeah we'll probably agree with you like they were just you know I don't know I would like to see them come back but they didn't really capture the I don't know what the, like the mood or the feeling yeah. of, of Hasbro's, you know. But I'd were. agree with that. I'd agree with that. They were fun, and I do. I, I agree. I hope they come back, and especially since we're in an age where there are other companies now making that style of figure, uh, which we'll get onto shortly as well. But yeah. um, another question comes from uh, Colossus Nick. We mentioned him before, Big Nick. How long does a design process take for each figure, and is there a particular place that you start when you start designing? Um. For me personally, it would be in, in your head first. So you would think of a wrestler, whoever it might be. Um, say you're going to do early 90s Heartbreak Kid. So you kind of have that in your head. And then I would go online, get a few pictures of his attire, um, print them out, usually just front, side and back. And that's, that's your reference images. Mm-hmm. And then I would go and look at my Hasbro's you know, like you said, you have a box of spur bits. I was sort of going to say, oh, I might use uh, whoever, like, nails his legs, and I might use this guy's torso, and basically have a wee hook through. Mm-hmm. Pick out who you're going to use. Um, figure out how you're going to use the clay to manipulate, or, you know, what other accessories you might need. But I would say it doesn't take that long, all that. You know, it might take an hour or two just to kind of plan it all out. You know, before you start. 
So when you do start the actual uh, manipulation, if you like, of the figures and putting bits together, and once you've finally got that, okay, I've got the right legs, I've got the right body, I've got the right head, I've got the right arms, I know where I'm at now. What's your personal first process when it comes to, if you're using clear, do you start with a head or do you start with a particular body or is it just random each and every time? Um, thinking back, you, I can, you know what, it can be pretty random, you know, so I would usually do the head and body separate, so you would have the head off, I basically have it on a stick, and then you would have the body kind of suspended in midair with like a big massive screw, you know, into the heel. Yep. So, yeah, just basically... You know, sometimes it might be in the mood they'll start the head here, whether he's got a beard or mad hair or hat or whatever. And then sometimes it'll be the body. You'll start, you know, maybe boots or whatever the, the, the attire may be. Um, so, yeah, there's not really a set formula for that. Just whatever kind of, it's all going to be get done. So just whatever takes your, takes your notion. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing. It's whatever your inspirations at that time, whatever you're inspired by when it comes to sitting down, like the um, the screw in the in the foot, that's something that I never even thought of back when I was doing it. And it's, it's such a simple concept as it is, is a great way of keeping your figure in place and above floor, le- above, you know, uh, foot yeah. level. So it's you can get underneath and you can get around the sides easily. It never sprung to mind. It's, it makes so much sense. <laughs> you know, it's something I've seen other people doing. Before yeah, I'd yeah. done that, I would have actually glued the sole of the foot to one of the wee bases, you know, yeah. like ones you get with the retro figures. Mm-hmm. But then when you're taking it off, you kind of got the glue marks to deal with. And, yeah, you know, that's true. So it's, it's far, far better. Just a lot, leaves the final figure a lot more clean. Definitely, definitely. And finger markless as well. That was always a nightmare when you were priming, yeah. when I was priming figures, the, the fingerprint marks and things like that. Especially oh, on yeah. the clay. If, you're not, if you haven't sanded the clay down, then what you're left with is just like, oh, I didn't see that finger mark. <laughs> so, yeah, it definitely. Can it, it can be a bloody nightmare. You're damn right. Um, Roman981W asks, have you ever designed a female figure? Um, no. I've, I've tried in the past, but the only body really that's going to work is like the Ric Flair 123 kid body. Um, and it was just something... I don't know, I think it was having too much fun doing the ones that I, I kind of liked, you know, the ones I grew up with. It was like, yeah, ah. yeah. Because I kind of appreciate women's wrestling now, but when I was grow- growing up, especially, I used to hate it. I used to think it was boring. So I didn't want to do any of the females, but yeah. I've actually got a few. I've got one in mind that I want to do soon, and that's Sunny. And I've got all the parts kind of laid out and whatnot. A few surprises in there for people. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I've got the card, the card design. So, I've oh, a few wow. other, yeah, I have a few other projects on the go at the minute. And once I get them finished, I'm getting stuck, stuck in the sunny. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Figure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that with um, you're right with the with the female. Uh, you know the general kind of concept of a female torso that's the difficult thing with the Hasbro parts that we've got, isn't it? And it's something yeah. I think that we'll probably see more options with this 3d printing becomes a lot more popular with 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 uh customizers and figures in terms of a lot of the the 3d printing that we see these days are obviously copies and carbon copies of existing figure parts so i think as time goes on we might start seeing more interesting 
Um, people designing their own kind of thing. Exactly, mate. Yeah, using CAD suites to well, design sort of smaller torsos and things. That's um, definitely going to happen. And some of the 3D prints that I've seen customizers doing, you know, absolutely blown me away. You know, incredible stuff. I've I've got a 3D printer myself, and I've managed to do a few wee things like a wee briefcase for IRS and yeah, you know, a couple of small figures. But I'm I'm not savvy enough, you know, with the technology to do anything great. But a few of the American boys, especially some of the stuff I've seen them doing, you know, like three ups and like customizing accessories for their three ups, and that's just it blows my mind. And I think it's something I noticed when I was doing tattoo. When I was tattooing, when I started off, there was maybe like three or four studios in our little town, and now there's like fifteen. And I can kind of see the same thing happening with customizing. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you've been doing it a lot longer, but in the short time I've been doing it. It's just exploded, you know, and you're getting these ones coming through all the time, and a lot of them are really good, so they are. So I think it's just going to get more and more popular as time goes on. Definitely. I'm going to jump to another question linked into that situation then, because I'll come back to some of the other questions that we've obviously got, but there is a particular question. Do you think that because of Hasbro figures in general, the price is going up, and... Because of that, the accessibility to Hasbro figures becoming less obvious. You know, if you if you're going to go and use the obvious place to buy them from online on eBay or whatever, um, yeah. prices for generic sort of standard figures are pretty high these days. Especially if you want to get a bulk of sort of ten or fifteen figures, you're paying some yeah. pretty big values for them now. Um, and it's... and I don't knock that concept. That's kind of fair enough. But at the same time, for customizers. It becomes difficult. It becomes not just a sort yeah. of typical thing to purchase financially, but also that moral dilemma as well. <laughs> exactly. It's can you justify spending, you know, fifteen pound on a like beat up hacksaw Jim Duggan? It doesn't really make sense. You know what I mean? Because um, I'm sure, like back when you started, there were two a penny, but when oh, I started, they, yeah. they were all kind of under a fiver. You know, well, most of them. You know, none of the rare ones, but now the ones that are that were under a fiver are all like, you know, 10 or 15 pound each. And when you're buying a sort of job lot, it all kind of adds up. They, they do become quite expensive. So there's one thing that I started doing, and a lot of other guys are doing, are making like resin casts yeah. of parts. And that can kind of help keep the price down a little bit. But then you're sacrificing, um, you know, the action in the figure. Yeah. You know, they'll be attached by magnets rather than have that spring-loaded action. But it's for display anyway, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I don't think there's too many guys having Royal Rumbles in their, in their 40s. Ah, that's what you think. That's what you... Yeah. <laughs> well, I still, do I still actually do it myself. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, yeah. You have to, man. Especially when you've got kids. It's that, ex- it's that excuse that we need <laughs> yeah. to be able well, to they, track the figures back out. They don't get to play with the Hasbro's. Damn right, know. they don't. I have, a, I have a big box of like Jack's beat-up ones. They can play with those. I've um I've let my daughter have a few because um there's there's just a handful but there's a few galoobs as well so she's she's got um Hasbro Rick and Hasbro Bear Hug Hogan that she she always go in a bath um with a but they're um cool. it sounds weird doesn't it but uh, they're um, <laughs> they're they're the princes apparently for uh, her right. her frozen dolls and unicorns yeah. and stuff. So that's interesting. Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan are the princes. I mean, not too sure about that, but they're a track record now, you know. I'm I'm not going to break the news to her anytime. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Don't let her in on the reality. No, no, it'll always be, it'll always, it'll always be a secret. <laughs> Kyle Customs 2018, good old Frankie boy, asks, if designing figures, toys, customs, and the tattooing job paid the same, but you had to give up one of them because of the, the demand for the other profession at the time, which one would you choose to stick with and why? That's a very tough question because I do really enjoy both. Um, that's a very hard question to answer because with the tattooing, a lot of the jobs you're doing, I would say about 75% of it, you would have people just telling you what they want. You know, it's their ideas, it's their plan. And sometimes you're really into it, but a lot of the time you're not. Whereas with the Hasbro stuff, I would take on the odd commission, but 90% of the time it's just stuff I want to do. You know, it's just stuff that I'd be passionate about or think would be cool. So I don't know know how to answer that one. It's kind of right on the wire. So <laughs> it's a difficult one as well because if all of your customs became commissions for people and they told you exactly what they wanted and yeah. you had deadlines to meet and multiple oh, no. people sign up, would the would the pleasure of making them sort of dwindle much like it does? Yes. Um, that's the thing, isn't it? That's exactly the thing. I mean, I'm um, you know I studied when I was younger. I studied music production and I did that for for my trade for quite a few years. And it was good fun. I did it for a lot of local bands. It was good fun. But then it became a bit more serious and I started getting a lot more um, people requesting things and companies and adverts, et cetera, et cetera, to the point where it became a proper profession. And yeah. the love for it just went. It just yeah. it became it too much a of a job and a chore. Yeah, like my hobby of music became a slog and it became a job. And yeah. I'm lucky enough these days where I've got a job that I love and it's great fun and it's um it's it's very interesting. It doesn't it does it takes elements of my hobbies like the creativity and the craftsmanship and music and other things and it's um it's really fun. But yeah. if it was one of those particular hobbies on a, as a standalone, I don't think I could enjoy it anymore. Yeah, well that's the thing. Like I think that's well hearing you t- say about that. I probably picked that too, because even though there is sometimes where it does feel like a job, a lot of the time it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas with the customization, if you were able to do what you wanted when you wanted, and just sort of wake up one day and gonna go right, I'm gonna do like blackface paper, you know, and I'll just yeah. take the consequences. Yeah. Um, if you were, if you kind of had that mentality and you were still still able to make a wage from it that'd be great but it's just fine it's it's finding that balance with anything you, you kind of want to do something that you enjoy and something that makes money because you know you still have to pay the bills and you know that's that's how you live you know it's, it's, it's have, all, you, have you ever had a, a wrestling tattoo commission yet yeah i've done yeah. a good few yeah i would like to do a lot more i was sort sure. of post up on the but like my tattoo Facebook and whatnot and Instagram trying to attract people in. I've managed to do a few but not as much as I would like. I thought yeah. the ones I did were quite cool as well, but there doesn't Northern Ireland wrestling scene I don't think would be as big as, you know, the rest of the UK. Or it doesn't seem to be because I can't get people in. 
it's your job to get them in, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> You've got to get that uh, that banner out there flying high. I suppose everybody who comes into your uh, into your studio can at least see your Hasbro. So it might you never know. You might plant the seeds in a couple of people's minds when they come into. Oh yeah, wrestling. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? You never yeah. know. Um, we've got here Hasbro for life. How much wood would a wood chuck chuck? What's Is that the question? Yeah. Well, I'm going to answer with Repo Man. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. Repo um, Man. <laughs> El Master Ebla. Why are you so damn cool, talented, and easy to work with? Is this question for you or for me? For you. All these oh, are for okay. you. Um, I'm number one, I'm not cool. I'm yeah. the opposite, complete opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, what was the other one? Talented. Talented, yeah. And easy oh. to work with. Oh right. Oh yes, um yes, I done a like a wee cartoon for that fella. He was ah. a very nice guy. Um I I don't know how to answer that without sounding like I'm up my own arse. You can't really <laughs> you know, how do you talk about that? I just enjoy what I do, try my best, and if people like it, that's great. You know, there's there's a lot of customizers out there and most of them are all very humble. You know, really nice guys. I haven't came across too many girls doing it. But there is one or two. Um, there's one American guy in particular. And they're just negative. And they would sort of bring other customizers down. Saying, oh, this guy stole my idea. and You know, so if I ever turn into that guy, you can hit me a slap. Then you but, just stick to your tattooing. <laughs> yeah, I'll go back to tattooing. But just, that's it. You just sort of, you do it, you enjoy it everybody's positive you know there's it's just a nice atmosphere good stuff peter singer who's uh, contacting us through the uh, website asks what brand and type of paint do you use and why um i use it's a brand called dealer rani um acrylics um and i would just mix up all my own tones you know so if i'm doing a skin tone it, it would be red yellow burnt sienna and white mm-hmm. and then obviously if it was someone like haku or with a darker skin tone you would have a little bit more of the brown color and you know just kind of make it up and go along do you have to thin that out by any is it is it quite a good consistency when you get it or do you need to thin it out or anything like that well thin it out a little bit but not like if you put it on straight you can put it on straight but you need to have right on your brush mm-hmm. so i would usually just thin it a little bit and doing layers yeah and that's that's the time consuming thing sometimes it can take up to you know depending on the color five layers usually about three but it's if i've got like five of the same figure and you're maybe doing you know somebody's trousers so you'd be going across each one one coat two coat three coat you know Mm -hmm. can get a little bit monotonous sometimes but it's worth it in the end have you ever used a spray gun, like an air gun, spray gun style um, for application yeah. for big parts, yeah? I actually did that recently. Um, oh, yeah. I had one sitting in a drawer for years and I took, I done four stings, basically set them up in the box and mm-hmm. sort of got that thing hooked up to a wee compressor. Yep. Um, I just I sprayed them all with like skin tone and I was like, Jesus, this is really quick. And the only reason I didn't keep doing that was I was in the process of moving all my stuff out from the spare room now out to a wee shed. And I just haven't got, got it set back up again. But 
something that I will do soon. Um, G Bentley from the website asks, well, we've kind of touched upon this already. He asks, have you ever experimented with resin and molds or 3D printing? And you mentioned before you've made an IRS briefcase, haven't you? Have you got other things in the in the pipeline with the 3D printing? Any, any ideas that you've got that you're, you're planning on um, at some point? To be honest, no, because the technology side of it, you have to have this thing called a slicer on your laptop. Um, so I don't have a laptop for one, so I managed to get this it's not like a proper version, you know, like a less quality version mm-hmm. slicer. I'm trying to run it through that and I just couldn't figure it out. I'm just not savvy enough. So my plan is my uncle, who's very savvy with that kind of thing, and he's quite creative as well. He's in those we, you know, like cars and these like ones from the 1950s and stuff. Oh, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically give the printer to him and say, right, you figure it out. Which he will, because he's good with that kind of thing. And then cool. He can teach me. Brilliant <laughs> stuff. I can't. Yeah. Makes it's a nice trade that you know. If you give him the printer, he can use it for his stuff. At the same time, you might occasionally need, um, you know, like a red rooster head or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> makes sense. Uh, makes sense. He'll get like to do his own stuff, and then he can do me a few things too. Wrestle King John asks. Do you worry that you will run out of parts? Um, yeah, we've kind of discussed that uh, as the prices keep going up, things of that nature. I, I suppose we can twist that in a way of asking, um, is your stock supply, are you quite happy with your stock supply at the moment or do you need to go out and buy loads more soon? No, <laughs> um, I'm happy enough. At the minute, I've got not every single figure, but most of them, like barring the rare ones, I've got like at least one of each. Mm-hmm. And then I think some of the more common ones think of a couple of warriors and a couple of jakes but you know i'm kind of happy enough because i hate that i hate the feeling if if i do use one like say i use uh, rick martel and then i'm like oh shit i need a rick martel and it's not there mm-hmm. I would, so if i use one i would go straight on the ebay or the groups and try and replace it you know just in Fair case enough. i need it again Fair enough. It is a, it's a, it is a horrible feeling when you, you look through your parts box. I've got a couple yeah. of parts boxes and I've got a couple of bags. I've obviously got my main collection, my, you know, my complete collection or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and then you've got your seconds and then all in your thirds, I suppose, where they're a bit more knackered than your seconds are. Your seconds might come in useful for some trades at some point or some competition pieces. And I've, I've given so many of them away for competitions that I'm gutted about <laughs> But oh, yes, um, yes. over the years. But um. You know, then you've got your bits and pieces where they're knackered or they've been customised by weirdos in the past that you've managed to obtain them in lots and things. Yeah. Uh, so you've kind of got different bags for different measure for different means and stuff, and some that are going to need a lot of work just to get them back to the basic sort of um, how exactly. they should look, so you can work on them. But yeah, it's a horrible feeling when you know that you want to go through it. But I think the last few that I made, like quite a few many years ago now, is I just thought, you know what it is, I'm gonna treat it like i do before you do your big weekly food shop yeah. the kind of couple of days before where you've got certain bits of food left in the fridge of the cupboard and you think right i'm going to make a meal out of what i've got rather than having the the, the, the prime choices if you know what i'm getting at <laughs> uh, yes. um, well that's a good way to do it as well it's it quite funny. You, yeah having like a big you know box of beggars you just kind of like right i need xyz just go and source them out it's quite liberating as well to know that you're kind of using the leftovers rather than them always being there forevermore. There's yeah. something quite fun about it. 
Um, the, the main reason why I stopped customizing was because I had uh, a shelf with about 12 or 13 finished pieces on um, and like about five or six works in progress and it, and it collapsed and every, everything shattered and that was the end of it for me. That was my uh, not never doing it again kind of thing. And any time I tried to get back into it, I couldn't, I couldn't justify finding the time to do it. And the kid in the background there is, yeah. is making the sound of exactly how I felt when that happened. <laughs> I, cri- I cried because it was awful, man. You know, you've, you've lost like the equivalent of like a year's worth of work. Um, two or three of them were for orders as well. So when that collapsed, it was just bad times. Bad news, Brown. It was horrible. Um, <laughs> wasn't good at all. Um, Samantha Crow asks, do you own anybody else's customs? Yes, I've got one two figures from Frankie I got a Ric Flair of him yeah. about two years ago um, and I've also got he made me a mail away Hulk Hogan which is excellent Sweet. and then I've got a, a Judge Dread from that fella Simon Bala nice. Dynamite Customs um, a guy called Richard Turner he's quite new to the groups I've got a few of him very good jobs. Um, God, what else have I got? Just a few more kind of here and there, you know. But I appreciate that, you know, if somebody puts up a good custom and it's a decent price now, definitely I would have it in my collection. So are you a f- see other people's work. Are you a fan of decals or are you more um, more hand-paint? Like, what's your preference? Depends, yeah, from what I've seen, I've, I've, I know that you, you, you hand painting quite a lot, but I just yeah. wondered what your crap was, what your views were on it. Um, it just depends what you're doing. There's some things just don't look real. You know, if it's something really detailed, you can hand paint it, but it, it'll not look as you know perfect as it's supposed to look. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, I would say, ninety-five percent of the time I would hand paint, but the odd time. I've used decals. Yeah. Trying to think what I did use decals for. Um, oh, it was Gino Hernandez, the back of his bomber jacket. Ah, okay. Detailed and, you know, so I printed that on the detail or decal and then Sting's Scorpion, which I know I knew it could paint okay, but I kind of thought to myself, do you know what, it's a, it's a simple enough shape. I'll just run out a couple of weeks because I was doing four figures the same. Yeah, sure. That just it cuts the time by a hell of a lot, and you can't you can't really tell. Do you know what I mean? It just looks yeah. like it's painted on. Dre forty five asks, "What's the process of you making the wrestling buddies that you're making at the moment?" Um, the process they're quite easy compared to customs. Um, they look so phenomenal, by the way. I just want to say that now they look absolutely mint in terms oh, of what, what, what you've shown me so far. Um, they it just look goes really good. Yeah, it just goes back to what we were talking about before, making what you want to make something that you're passionate about. I was talking at the start of the show about that Warrior Hogan match. That's like a very like, sort of big memory for me. Yeah. So I was like, great, I'm going to make a couple of buddies, Hogan and Warrior, you know, from the attire from that match. Um, so it was just a matter, just designing them, just drawing out, you know, their features and their attire um, and the shape of their bodies. And then uh, I sent it away to a print company, you know, the prints on fabric. Mm-hmm. And they basically send it back. You cut it out, sew it together and stuff it. 
that's pretty much it. You know, there's, yeah, not cool. a lot, there's not a lot to them, like, but they do look good because it's, you know, it's just, it's like a 3D kind of picture almost, you know. I mean, Indeed. But well, they, they look, look they look really authentic as well. That's what's good about them. They like, you know, they look really fun and, and fitting with what they're paying homage to. Oh yes, from, yes. from what I can tell, they look really, really good. Is it something yeah, you fun. think you might do more of, like in terms of other characters and stuff? Have you got? Have you had a think um, about it? To be honest, I haven't really thought about the future. You know, concerning buddies, it was just I just wanted to do. I like learning new things, so like the first thing was the the figures, and then I kind of learned how to make card backs, and and then there's a few other things in between, and it's kind of buddies now, and I've kind of learned how to do it, so. You know, I think it probably will because it's good. For, I'm enjoying it at the minute. If it ever gets to the stage where it's not fun anymore, then I'll just stop. Yeah. Do something uh, else. Well, kind of leads in a little bit to the sort of final question that we've got from our listeners, and obviously one of the one of the biggest points of what you've been up to in recent months as well, with the design process that you've got with that J White figure that you're doing with Nerds Clothing Company, which looks absolutely fantastic, by the way. And obviously, your fantastic relationship that you've got with Cella Toys too. Now, yeah. um, as you know yourself, Tippy, I mean, me and you have run a competition in the past in in, uh, in line with Cella regarding yeah. some of your design work. When um, the Nick Aldis figure came out, we ran a competition to give away some of the prototype, the um, the, the design sketches, the proto sketches. Yes. And um, I'm sure we'll, we'll link up again in the future for our listeners. But the question is, how did you start working with Cella? And um, how did that process mm. come into place? Did they reach out to you or did they see some of your work? Did you link in with them? What was the general gist Basically, of your relationship? I heard on the grapevine that they were going to be, you know, start producing these figures through a third party source. So I found out where they lived and sat outside their house for two weeks. And every time they come out, I would beg them, you know, <laughs> could I, would I be able to do designs on these figures, please? And they finally said yes. That, that's that's the basic gist of it. Did you leave a like? Did you bring food and wine for them as well? I'm assuming. No, I oh. should have thought of that. Maybe if I had brought that, I would have got a yes after a week instead of two. But no, time. basically, they just reached out uh, through a message one day, and um, I think it was. To be honest, I don't really know who I'm talking to. They're, <laughs> I've had that mistake before when I've been Charles because it's Charles and Ella. And yeah, Charles and Ella, very polite and pleasant to me, but I don't yeah. know whether it's Charles or Ella, or maybe it's both of them at different times, I don't know. Quite possibly, based... they're both lovely, yeah. They, when they've been on the show, they're both really, really nice people, and really, oh, yeah, really sound. Yeah. Because you speak yeah. very highly of yourself as well. Um, yeah, but they're... Um, yeah, I've got no idea. I've occasionally sort of like three messages in with them when we're discussing something and then I need to double check who it is that I'm speaking to. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't always know. <laughs> I don't think I ever do check. I'm just like, yep, yeah, no problem. I'll do that <laughs> or whatever it is. But no, they just reached out one day over through Twitter. And obviously before anything was released or done, nobody had heard of Jawa. So I was kind of thinking, yeah, who's this kind of taking the piss kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I didn't actually know if it was legit or not until I started going through the processes. Then I was like, oh, "Shit, this is actually happening." Yeah. Um, but they had just said that they'd liked, you know, some of the artwork I had done, and they would like me to to, to design that, you know. And obviously, when it came to doing it, 
the man that everyone kind of looks to is, you know, Ron Reedhead because he's a really original guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to say, like, I have a patch on, you know, him, but it's sort of done, you know, in a style similar to his, or tried Absolutely. to anyway. Well, it's beautiful. The, the piece that we give away was the Nick Holders one. So, again, for the benefit of our listeners who maybe aren't that familiar just yet, you obviously did the incredible, really, really wonderfully drawn illustration for the Jay White Nerds clothing figure. And then you've done quite a lot of designs for Cella toys so far. You've been part and parcel of their design process for each of the figures that they've either released or are currently on pre-order and about to be released so far. Um, yeah. You've obviously got Nick Aldis, you've got the Mini Tupac, and you've obviously got Ethan Page as well. So it's yeah. a it's a it's a fun sort of line, and that they've you know announced so far. I know that they're obviously working on other things at the moment, um, but it's interesting to know that you've obviously been part of that design process so far and I'm guessing you've got the same methodology for each one because we've seen the blueprint work that you've done for them and designed them and I'm guessing they must then use that how we'd expect them to where they send that design work away to the manufacturers does that sound about right yeah um, it's the kind of thing they basically just asked me to do like a front um, profile and back view um, with a few notes you know whether they want like hands open or closed or expression to be kind of smiling or serious and mm-hmm. you know all that general kind of stuff and then they would go to who I don't actually know who the manufacturer is but they would take that to the manufacturer and then they would you know do the sculpt based on the input drawn and once they've got the sculpt painted up that's your prototype mm-hmm. and if they're happy with the prototype um that gets sent off for mass production. That's, I don't, I could be wrong with kind of some of the points in that, but I think that's the basic, you know, just of how it goes. It would make sense, wouldn't it? You know, that, that's that's yeah. the way it links out there. They might get a sort of prototype sent to them, um, showing pretty much what the crack is. And if they, they want to send it back or need to make any changes, then I'm sure that they do. But I mean, obviously yeah. we've only ever had the one figure released yet and the others are in due course. You know, pre-orders yeah. are open for all of those. So for all of our listeners, go and check out Cella Toys, at Cella Toys on Twitter. Um, go and check out their page. It'll take you to their website as well, where you can put your pre-orders in at the moment for the Mini 2-pack and the Ethan Page figure as well. Definitely worth doing because they are limited edition. Um and to be quite honest with you, the last time I looked and chatted with those guys, legitimately, they're running out quick, I think it's fair to say, because they are big yeah. hitters and they're really interested and people are very interested in them. Obviously, as well, aside from Chella, we've got other people who were out there, ZST's dipping his toe in as well to the um, to the retro style line as well. So there's a yeah. lot of fun things happening with that scale of figure, that Hasbro throwback, if you like, the nod to the Hasbro era with what's happening alongside customizers, there's businesses popping up. That it just shows you how popular it is, you know? Definitely. And everything that we've seen so far is looking really, really good. And it's, yeah. it can only be a great thing for collectors and people who are interested in this because, dare I say as well, for the companies involved, if one company um, is doing really well, it's going to bring eyes on that style of figure line again, and then people are going to find out about the other companies who are do, doing it as well. So it's kind of like good for everybody that there's healthy 
healthy competition, I think it's fair to say, with what's going on in, in the collector world. It is with everything. It is with all figure styles, all figure lines. People know a particular style. People have got their preferences about the style that they collect. For example, I'm not a I'm not really a Mattel collector. I'm not an AEW collector. I'll, I'll, there'll be the odd figure that I really like because I want the character. But yeah. for me, it's all about Hasbro's and it's all about... I'm a big RA fan. I'm a big like classic superstars fan. I'm a big fan of Figures Toy Company as well with their RA style line. Yes. Um, that they've got yes. all the CW legends and what. I love it. That's the thing. Everybody's kind of got their own tastes, you know, what they like and... I'd be like yourself, I'm not too fussed on the whole Mattel range, but I've actually been liking the AEW unmatched ones that have come out. Um, but, but most of it, the bulk of my collection is just Hasbro's, Retro's, things like that, and loads of customs. Yeah, that's that's the way. And yeah. you know, and that works for you, and there's a lot of people that also works for. And it's 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 good to see that the community's booming, especially in an age where people say that fandom for wrestling, you know, based on ratings or whatever they want to base it on, that fandom for wrestling is dwindling with numbers of people who are watching. I can't help yeah. but think that the merchandise side of things is bigger than it's ever been. It's massive. It's it huge. You just have to look at the price of, you know, some of the Hasbro's, especially, you know, carded yeah. ones. I'm like, I can't afford them. Do you know what I mean? They're crazy money. I know I've been lucky. There's only ever been one these days that uh, I've bought in the wild, and that was a it was a Martell. It was a beautiful condition Martell, and you yeah. know I think a lot of our our friends in HWO and the collective world know that I'm a big Martell fan in terms of the Hasbro side of things. I'm a massive Yoko fan, so that documentary of Icons was absolutely oh, was stunning yeah. for me to watch. I, will, I love that. It was incredible. I mean, I will say, you know, it's one of those things where there's, there's only so much information out there. I know a couple of guys who were really big into Yoko as well um, were saying that there wasn't anything new as such, but what encapsulated us was the way that the story was told and who was telling it, which was wonderful. Yeah. So It was kind of like a wee peek behind the curtain because yeah. the public kind of image of Yoko, you just see that big stern face and there's mm-hmm. not much kind of, hot, you know, there's no personality to the character, but that was just what he was portraying, you know. That's it. There's, you get to see a lot of the kind of what he was like and hearing his friends talking about him and he's he just liked the joke and a laugh and family man and all the rest of it. I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. That's exactly it. And, you know, I've, I've, I've got the two Hasbros of Yoko, um, both Lucy's, but I, I'm yet to find... Well, I've found them, but I want to make sure that if I'm going to pay the money that it's been asked for them, they need to be mint. They need to be absolutely perfect um, yeah. to to justify the money. But that's the money that they're going for these days. I was lucky enough to obviously win a raffle for the John Tenter figure because Earthquake's my third my third guy. Well, actually, Yoko and Earthquake are my two main guys. Martel's, you know, sort of top three territory. But there's a yeah. few others. Steve Carino's a big... I'm a big, massive Steve Carino from ECW fan as well. Um, I really would absolutely kill to see a figure made of him he's got a he's, you know he works with wwe he's backstage with wwe and has been for a while so he's uh-huh. contracted to them but i just wish they would you know release a figure um i don't know how much the demand's there but there definitely is for me i'll buy them all <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah there's a few guys where i'd love to be able to get figures of them in the hasbro line at least mock i've got me martel one i've got me tenter one me earthquake one i need to get my yokos but 
I, I can't see it being anytime soon, especially as he's massively in the public domain because of the icons program at yeah. the moment. Yeah, well, things like that come out, you know, the merchandise just shoots away, absolutely does. Documentaries and wrestlers passing away, yeah. Documentaries, yeah. wrestlers passing away. That's when everything goes sky high. That's when not the bay, I figure. <laughs> exactly it. But the exactly. men, the men card ones. I was never into that. I was always Lucy, but I have same here. Pro- probably because a lot of the guys in the SW and the different groups are big into the, you know, the mocks. I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to hunt down the Huggins. So that they're the only ones I've got. You know, well, I managed to win. A Brutus the Barber, um, a graded one in a raffle. Oh, cool. So I've got him, and then I've got the four different, four or five, God, I can't remember now. I've got four or five different Hogan's, but I got them all, you know, in the acrylic cases. Yeah. And they, they would be like, you know, my favorite pieces of the whole yeah. collection. I'm trying to think, yeah. how, is there four Hogan's or there's, five Hogan's? There's four Hogan's, and then there's five Hogan's. if you count the mail away as well. The, the mail away is the Oh, favorite. yes, yes, yes. I have four to mail away. I've um, mail away man. I, I I was lucky enough to purchase the mail away Brett and mail away Hogan at an event. It was like a convention event where somebody was selling loads of wrestling figures and bits and pieces. It was during yeah. the sort of you know the first nine or ten series of um, classic superstars, I think. Um, yeah. So they were the main things that people were selling, especially with it being a legends convention as well. But they had the same stall had uh, a mint in bag Hogan and um, Brett Mailaway. What date was this? This was probably, let me think, at a guess, probably around, it might have been late in the Legends line, actually. It's probably, I, th- I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's around about 2009 ish, maybe 2008, 2009, something like that. Something probably. like, do you, take a, do you want to take a random stab in the dark as to how much you paid for each of those? Um, 2009, I would say for Hulk Hogan 2009, maybe 120. Not far off. I paid, they had a certain price and then I offered uh, a price for the pair of them together yeah. and I ended, I ended up paying uh, 140 for the pair. What? Yep. Um, they're no longer in my collection. I sold them when I needed a new front door because our front door died during a storm so we These needed a new front door and they were the only things I had that I, I could justify parting with at the time I was Did going you get more through, than 140? It's fair to say, yeah That's okay, that's <laughs> alright it, it was about a year and a half ago so it, oh, right, right. they've gone up in value and I saw to a lovely guy called Nathan who's a, a collector uh, down under and he's got an incredible incredible collection of figures and display um, I, did, I did a I did a video of it actually on our Grapple Arcade YouTube channel of me saying goodbye to the figures. Yes. <laughs> uh, just a, a silly little video of wishing them wishing them a safe journey, and then um, the, the the second half of the video is Nathan unboxing them down in, uh, down down under with his family. He's got his whole family on camera, sort of like looking very excited about his prized possessions. Oh, um, that's really cool. I'm I'm really happy that they've gone to such a lovely guy and a, and a fantastic collector. But I live each day in misery, wishing that I still had them in my collection. You know, it's one of those kind of bittersweet things. But we do have a front door, so we're not cold. <laughs> yeah, well, when life you know, raises its ugly head, you have to do what you have to do. You know. I'll be honest. I would have sold a couple of guitars if I was going through a music lull, but I just yeah. sort of happened to be going through a bit of a wrestling lull, so they were the high ticket items to get rid of at the time. Whereas yeah. if I was 
into my wrestling and going through a bit of a music lull, I would have sold a couple of instruments. So it's one of those things where, yeah, you know, you yeah, kick yourself. The at the time. Exactly that, man. Exactly that. And these things happen. I think that's the thing that stops me because I've, I've got loads. I've probably got about 50 different customs, you know, mostly yeah. by myself, but like from other guys. And people are always asking me, oh, would you sell this one? Would you sell me the British Bulldogs? Or... And I have done that in the past. And then, like what you were saying, you're like, oh, fuck, I wish I hadn't sold that, you know. Yeah. So that, that took me about 25 hours to make. I wish I hadn't sold that. And so that's the only thing, kind of. Because you do think to yourself, I could sell all these and make a fortune. You know, it'd be great. But then you're like, I'll regret it. Don't do it. That's it. That's it. To, to make the money that I needed for the front door, I would have had to have sold a, a canny few customs if I was still making them at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I think if if I could have definitely have guaranteed myself the money that I needed, I probably would have gone down that route because I would have convinced myself, if you really want it, you can make it again. Yeah. But with the mail-aways, it's just the opportunity to buy them for a reasonable price is just ever, ever dwindling. And the, yeah, the prices they're going for these days, it's insane. And when they do come up, they're in such high demand or they get upbidded and, you know, whatever else goes on with all of that world. Um it's a difficult thing to be into. It's the same. I'm a big card collector. I'm a massive, you know, I'm into my stickers and my cards yeah. uh, for wrestling. I still am these days. It's the other, my other passion apart from figures. And that's become very difficult because the world's cottoned on. And I'm not going to say it's, you know, it's not enjoyable. It is because I like sharing the experience with a lot of people. And I like, exper- I like experiencing what other people are collecting. And I love seeing because of the boom in the cards and sticker world, what's suddenly been unearthed and it's great to see and it's lovely to see certain things popping up but the yes. prices are insane and there are some absolute shite hawks on ebay who try and pretend that things are rare when they're not um at the yeah. same time there's there are genuine rarities popping up that wouldn't have popped up if the boom wasn't there so it is it's one of those interesting things it's it's a double-edged sword much like all it really the collecting is. is it really is um what you're saying, I don't. I think if it came to me selling like Hasbro's, because it took me so long to collect them all up, you know, the loose collection that I have them work up in the wall. Um, I think I, you know, like if something came up that was really bad and needed the money, I think I would do everything that I could. Like if I had to sell them, I would sell them, but I would do, I would sell everything else first. You know yeah. What I mean? Sorry, just, studio. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't even own that, so I couldn't even sell it. Fair enough. <laughs> I'd sell myself, but I would become a mail away. So I'd take a mail away. Yeah. Yep. Five hundred dollars um, a night. You have been making some interesting customs that you've sold, obviously for this for the purpose of selling, uh, based on the yeah. the collectability of them, such as uh, a certain well endowed man. Yes, is that the Roddy Roddy Piper one you're talking about? Or? Obviously, definitely the No, I, I'm talking about uh, Mr. Log, the guy with the <laughs> tremendous third leg. Yeah, yeah, that was very popular. That's actually the figure that sold the most. I've yeah. sold shit loads of those, especially when it was off during the first lockdown. I kind of made one for a laugh, and then everybody was like, I want one. And they, <laughs> they just went like hotcakes, you know. It's incredible. It's just amazing. It's just what I like about that is that um, it's it's fun. So 
you know, God, you're going to get people who are going to get offended by anything that you make if it's we're in that culture where that that's the case yeah. now. Um, but I just love how on trend it was, how on piece it was, and how you've kind of taken that notion and made a few of the characters as well that fit into that. This is popular right now. This is really funny. Um, I'm going to make a custom of them, and, and, and I'll give you a lot of credit for that. It's it's yeah. brought a lot of laughs. It is. It's kind of like a big game as well, and it's just knowing, you know, how to play the game and let me try and explain it better. Like if something like what he was, or more recently that guy, the little guy with the horns who like stormed the American buildings. Oh, that dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just kind of like popular, you know, a lot of the wrestling fans might not have any kind of interest in them, but when you put stuff like that online and then stick it up on eBay, because it's, you know, in the moment, people are like, oh, I have to have it. Yep. Or, like, I try not to do this, but I know for a fact if you want to make a custom of a specific... Like a lot of customizers do, yeah, I do it, and I see Kyle doing it, and other guys, you know, it might be from a specific match or a specific, you know, um, like pay per view or whatnot. Yeah. And you know, in your head, because it's the same with me, I have a lot of, you know, nostalgia and emotions attached to, you know, certain times throughout history, and you know what other people will. So you're kind of thinking, right, if I make this bit hard from this match, you just know it's going to be a hit. You, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So you can kind of, it's just like a game, but you can kind of predict what'll work and what won't. Kind Definitely. Of yeah. Is there anything that you're particularly working on at the moment? I know that, you know, you have to be tight-lipped about certain projects that might be linked to um, companies, so I'm not going to, I'm not digging for that. But anything yeah. that you're working on at the moment, um, whether it's for pleasure, whether it's like, aside from the buddies and aside from what you've shown, is there any kind of, uh, very early works in progress that you can uh, tease us with? Um, I'm sitting looking at my table here. I've just got loads. I've actually got quite a lot of works in project or progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got like, what have I got? That Leonardo DiCaprio one that I made. Oh, yes. Yep. Meme. I've got about four or five of those sitting on my bench. I've got, oh, who else have I got? I've got a few out in the shed. Power and Glory, Power's Pain, uh, Mr. Fuji, um, this is where your mind goes blank now. I've got, I've got a few, and then I'm, I'm trying to do like a Northern Ireland Legends kind of range, just for All me right. personal pleasure, you know. So I've, I've got a few of those, like Joey Dunlop, the motorbike driver, I've got a few of those up on the shelf. Amazing. Um, but yeah, and then as far as the like Chalago, it's unfortunately I'm not allowed to talk about. Oh, of course, yeah. No, well, to be honest, we had Charles on. We had Charles on uh, not long ago from Chalago. Yes, I listened and, to uh, it. Yeah. He was like a stone wall, and and I appreciate yeah. that from him. It keeps the mystique. Um, we were chatting earlier on today about some other things that are you know in the pipeline, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so, all I can say for our listeners is, keep looking, keep keep. Checking Cheller out because there's always really interesting stuff um, occurring. Mm. There's interesting discussions. I think we'll, we can say as much as that. There's interesting discussions taking well, place. Well, what I can say, and um, it's not giving anything away that will kind of, you know, get me in trouble or well, like give anything away. 
you know, that'll make them look bad is that they had discussed, you know, the neck, like one to three other figures and they had got me to do design work on at least one other figure. Yep. Which I've completed and it was, you know, I found it quite exciting to see that they managed to, you know, get the rights to who that figure is. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, there's there's a lot of uh, interest and intrigue. <laughs> exactly, yeah, it's all good and, fun. It's, it is, it's brilliant, it's brilliant, and I think um, there are a lot of a lot of people out there because I know that we did the, the last competition that we did where people were like suggesting different names and suggesting different characters they could think of that they would love to get made, and the reality is that I I know personally that some of those people are potentially. Um, obtainable. I think that's the best way to say it. There are they are potentially yeah. obtainable for for whichever figure company who wants to link in with them. So there's a lot of fun to be had. I, I'm loving the world of collecting at the moment. I'm loving the companies that are involved. Um, we're obviously you know big fans of Cheller and we love those guys very much. Um, oh yeah. But I you know at the same time I I love the options that are available from elsewhere and I love the fact that we can all collect in this great sort of um time that we're in to be able to enjoy action figures for what they are rather than just being stuck with one option i think that's that's the best way to kind of express my thoughts on collecting at the moment if any amount of different companies and people doing you know other lines there's just so much choice out there and then that's what's happening now what's going to be happening six months a year down the line who else is going to pop up on the scene do you want to mention a plug for how people can get in touch with you mate if anybody wants to order any of your figures or if anybody wants to put a, a, a you know request in or if people want to see your work where can they see your stuff man um if you want to have a look at what i'm doing most of it's on instagram and that's at purple chinchilla um with three a's at the end or if it's twitter i'm just using a, a shop name it's just eye candy tattoo Awesome stuff, man. Listen, dude, I appreciate you coming on tonight. It's been good fun talking to you. Appreciate your openness and your honesty about what you do in the world of custom action figures and making. Loads of fun. It was really interesting. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Yes, definitely. Thanks very much for having me on. You know, it's, um, I'm looking forward to listening back and hearing how strange it sounds. <laughs> It's always the way it goes, man. I can never yeah. get used to it. I've been doing this for three, four years, whatever it is now. I can't get used to it with Miss. Do, you know do you know who it sounds like? Like, obviously, I know you're a mark, but in my head, I, I've been having a conversation with uh, Pac from AEW because you just have the same accent, you know? He keeps popping into my head, you know, the image of Pac. Pac is a, a lovely lad. Um, he... He well, he's, he's not far away from where I live at all in terms of where he was, where he grew up. But the local, the local um, wrestling scene up here, you got I, uh, IWF and um, WZW from back in the day. None of those are in uh, uh, running these days. He also wrestled for MEW as well, who are still going. They're the longest, longest lineage of uh, Northeast wrestling. In terms, I think they've been going around since about two thousand four or five or something like that. But yeah. they've been going on for a while. But Pac was wrestling for all of them, so I got to see him when he was just a nipper, when he was a young lad. Oh, um, cool. Got to see him wrestling quite a bit. 
Didn't um, see a lot of potential in him back then. Oh, yeah, he's, he stood out big time. There was a couple of other guys as well who have decided to do other things with their careers, but he was kind of an older version of them and, and helped them with their careers a bit. Um, yeah. Louis Beardsley and a couple of other lads. But Pac, Pac in particular, um, Ben, fourth wall, he's an absolutely lovely, lovely dude. And it's I love seeing the fact that he's playing the part of a, of a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's cracking to see. But he's, he's a really sound, sound lad. I met him. I'm trying to think of the last time I had a chance to chat with him. It was I used to be in a in a believe it or not a hip hop group back in like the earlier 2000s, like a, like a seven piece funk hip hop group. Yeah. And um, and um, he's I know he's, he definitely at least owns one of the albums that we knocked out at the time. So it was always fun. When last time I saw him, I think was when he was over here on tour with Dragon Gate. So I went oh, down yes, to see him. Yes. We had a bit of a natter about hip hop and stuff, and it had been ages since I'd seen him before that. Definitely. He is. I mean, apart from him, Jimmy Nail, Ant and Deck. Apart from them, you've only got footballers really, and Sting, I suppose, out of the police as well. But apart from them, you've you've it's it's slim pickings for people, especially wrestlers who've gone on um, to go and do things. You know. Yeah. It's kind of like that over here as well. You've got the only one that I know that's came close. Uh, was Finlay. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he came from a wee town called Carrick, which is about 10 miles outside Belfast, the other direction from where I work. Yeah. But I can't. Or there's your man Kelly and Dane, actually, from NXT. He's doing well. But apart from that, I can't think of anybody else. You know? I know there's a couple of lads have obviously, you know, started um, linking with NXT UK. One of those, it's another conversation. I'm sure we'll get you on another time to talk about uh, wrestling in general. Oh, yeah. We'll get the HWO lads on and we'll have a big sort of uh, battle royal of sorts. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds Thank good. Man. Well, thanks very much for coming on and we'll catch you and all of our listeners in the very near future. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you. Mm, yeah, the Grapple Arcade. Hands off the merchandise. Dig it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Retro-style wrestling action figures from JellaToys.net Bring the legends, the present, and the future back to the classics. JellaToys.net